Welcome to the Property Chit Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Louise Roke, where I talk about everything and anything property. Okay, so this morning I'm speaking to Brendan Salby, and he is um, from Next Level Construct, and he is a master builder. So welcome, Brendan, and thanks very much for joining me today. No problem. Thanks for having me. First of all, what actually is a master builder? Because a lot of people um, see that uh, signage and wonder what a master builder actually is. What's the difference between a master builder and a normal builder? So a master builder is a, it's a um, association for builders. It's fairly well known and fairly well branded. With being a master builder, we can provide a 10-year master build guarantee, um, which covers things like um, loss of deposit, uh, non-completion, um, materials and workmanship, structural defects, remedial work, and also um, they're transferable when you sell the home. So they go with oh, the home at 10 guaranteed. Oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah. That's good. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Oh, well, that, that's fantastic because um, I didn't realise those all those things actually did come under. So it gives you much more, it gives the consumer much more um, protection. Definitely, yep. And yep. You, like I said, transferable when you when you go to sell. So, so also a good sales tool. Yeah, it is actually. So how do you um, become a master builder? I mean, um, so you've got to go through the process of applying, doing an application. Um, they they come through. They do a bit of an audit on you. You got to provide referees who they um, speak to over the phone. They come and have a look at your work just to make sure it's up to the, up to their standard. Um, and and then what sort of organisation is that? Sorry, is that um, the masters builders organisation itself? Is it? Yeah, master builders. Um, Association, I think it's called. So they come around and they actually do go on site and check. Yeah, they come and do a bit yeah. of a site audit around a couple of oh, sites okay. and talk to um, peers in the industry oh, about okay. you, just to make sure that you're obviously doing things. Got up a good standard. reputation out there, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And do they talk to any, um, you know, people that you've actually done work for? Uh, they don't. I mean, I joined a fair while ago. We joined probably eight eight years ago. Right. Um, so I don't think they talk to any clients. They just talk to got so more of a peer review and checked out your work. And check out your work. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I believe that you have actually excelled in the biz, uh, building industry. What's some of the awards that I noticed that you have achieved? Yep. So being part of Master Builders, they, they have quite a big event once a year, which is the Master Builder House of the Year, which has a number of different categories across renovations and, and new builds. Um, so we've entered the ha- one house uh, per year for the last three years and managed to win uh, gold awards every year. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. That's amazing. You. And even managed to win our category last year for uh, renovations, uh, 500 to a million. Wow. That's yeah. pretty impressive. And that's yeah. um, is that Auckland-wide? or New So Z- that's, that's Auckland-wide, wow. yeah. Oh, yeah. well done. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so as a real estate agent, obviously we have people who are looking at houses all the time and they do have similar questions that I've noticed that do come out. One of the common questions that people ask is when people are looking at maybe older properties what they can and can't do without requiring a building consent and obviously there's a lot of things but you know you you I'm asking about sort of the main common things that you come across that people you know yeah so so basically to work can be done without a consent if it's a like for like replacement so if you want to replace the existing roofing that can be done you can replace a kitchen in the same location. Same with bathrooms. You can refit out bathrooms if they're done in the same location and no plumbing is moved. Okay. Um, those types of things, obviously, you can change external joinery too as long as everything stays the same size and the same shape. Uh, okay. So like-for-like like replacement can be done. So technically, if you, say, had a bath in the bathroom and you wanted to replace that into a shower, mm-hmm. uh, no, well, not really any plumbing would need to be moved as such. That would be... 
classed as yeah, I, okay, I would, normally? I would class that as acceptable, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So also, as long as you didn't um, make a deck bigger. Yep, so decks can be... Because um, that's a common one, isn't it? Decks yeah, it is a common one. They've got to be um, no higher than a metre off the ground and no bigger than 20 square metres in area. Oh, okay. So that can be done without a concern. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So as far as railings go, actually, mm. talking about decks, what is the going um, height? Um, so I- anything over a metre requires a handrail. In any point around the deck area that exceeds a metre, so you might only need a handrail on one, cor- one corner of right. the deck. Right, okay. But anywhere where... We, we step off the deck is over a metre, you require a handrail of a metre. Of a metre. Of a metre okay. high. So with, is with that internally as well? I'm just thinking about yep. things. Okay. Yeah, so internally as well, yeah. yeah. All right. And that and includes stairs, stairs? Includes stairs, okay. yeah. Yep. With, no, with gaps no bigger than 100 in between the rails. Right. Yeah, so you can't I, I think that's one of the things that always people were always asking, and um, I know it got changed at some time, and, and I thought it was a metre, so I just wanted to clarify that because I know that was a common question that people did ask. Mm-hmm. Um, what about, you know, the other question that people ask you is, okay, so you might be going and buying a 1960s house and you might want to be going and doing an extension, for example. So obviously some of the houses is, you know, under an old sort of code and some people are asking, well, is it going to open up a can of worms and how do they blend that, what you can do with what, you, you yep. know what I mean? So can you just go through that process with us? Yeah, so generally you'd only have to bring Obviously, all the new work, if you did a renovation or extension, all the new work would be detailed and the building consent would bring it back up to the to the new code. Any of the existing stuff can stay existing, but anything you touch within the house has to meet the new code, um, except for some in some instances the council or the inspectors will ask, if it's a safety hazard, right. they will ask you to bring handrails up to a metre. Uh, okay. Yep. okay, so if you've got an old house and you've done this extension, they'll come and do the inspection. And they might not. They they still might actually view that old handrail. Yep, definitely. Okay. If, if it's a sa- of a safety risk, okay, for That's sure good they to can. Know. We've had that in the past, which I think is probably fairly relevant. Yeah, and yeah. apart from that, um, they wouldn't really be looking too much at no. the old stuff. Okay, that's good to know because I think a lot of people do get and and there's so many different answers to that. Yeah. So it's really good to yeah, actually. Yeah, they definitely can't make you bring the whole house up yeah. the code just because okay. you're doing an extension yeah. on the rear. Yeah, but definitely safety features for sure. Okay, that's cool. Can you explain existing use and what if you renovate? What changes affect the existing use? Can you give us some examples of that? So existing use, or historic, some people call it historic rights. You can you can apply for the existing use rights under the Resource Management Act. For instance, a building. This is particularly relevant in Christchurch with the earthquake. Oh yes. A lot of the buildings were um, constructed under the old district plan, and were obviously damaged or or had to be removed. So there's a new district plan in place now, so they can apply for existing rights use under the old district plan to build um, a similar building. Oh, okay. Whereas the new plan may have different height restrictions, size, or even use, different use. Okay. Um, so they can go back and apply for existing use or historic rights. And also sometimes I think you might get that on, I remember there was some sort of shop or something that hadn't been used, used for a shop, but... I think they it wasn't actually zoned commercial, but because it was commercial, they sort of could use it for yep, some commercial. same things. I think if you've got um, enough proof that it was used for that application, um, you can go back and apply for that. Okay. What about, buyers often ask about consented and non-consented houses pre, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's 1991, I believe, that the new Building Act mm-hmm. came into place, That's isn't right. it? Basically, what I'm saying is, is that <coughs> somebody's looking at a 1970s, 1980s, 1990s house or whatever, 
before 1991. Mm -hmm. They didn't really use the same language and they didn't really have the same certificates or whatever. So it hasn't got a code of compliance, basically, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying. But how do you know if what's been built was compliant Mm -hmm. uh, for the day? What yeah, should people well, be I looking think for? Anyone buying or looking at buying a new house should do their due diligence. You can obviously visit the council um, for a small fee, get the property file, which includes original drawings if there is any on file, and you know also obtain the LIM report, which provides information about the, all, the, all the information the council holds on the property and what was consented and what wasn't. Yeah. So in the old days, I mean, I, I do think it is essential for people to get the property file, which is you go to council, like Brendan said, and it's called the property bag sometimes or council file yeah. or whatever. Now, in there, quite often you see approved plans and you also see as-built plans. Oh, as-built, yep. Yes. Yes. So quite often, I mean, okay, you might have approved plans, mm-hmm. But then um, those are not necessarily the ones. Do they have? Do they always have both? That's what I'm saying. Do they always have approved plans and do they always have as-built plans? Um, I think, um, yeah, for the older stuff, for sure, yeah, as-built. Um, and if, I think if the council have it on file, you can assume it's been built to the code of the day. Brendan, I always say never assume anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I always used to say okay. to people, never assume anything. <laughs> so so basically it's it's knowing the right questions to ask and getting the right advice, isn't it? Because I tell you why I'm asking you about this, because in some places in New Zealand, I mean, look, the, it's the talk of the town at the moment, isn't it, about all this, you know, council mm. building stuff and it, it's, it's yeah. you know, getting bigger than Ben Hur. But even in the old days, I mean, you look at some old plans and of course, we didn't have computers then. And sometimes you looked at, you might look at approved plans. But what you probably got to do is actually go to the property, don't you, and mm. actually make sure that these approved plans what's actually are there. actually the yep, as built exactly. if they haven't got as built plans. And the, the council, you can actually go and sit with um, people at the council and look through the property file together. Yes. And you could compare um, what's essentially on site at the property to what they actually have on file, and you can get advice. The councillor, it's one thing they're very good at is. Um, you know, you can go in there unannounced, turn up, and you can sit with a consultant and you can actually run through those property files. So do you actually have to make an appointment or can you just no, you go can in? Just, you can go okay. up and wait and you okay. obviously you sit in the queue. Yeah, sit in the long queue because they get prepared some, to take some, your lunch. Yeah, exactly, yeah. of course. But it is yeah. worth it, isn't it? I think so, yep. yeah. For any of that sort of stuff, yeah. you can sit with a consultant and they can give you, they pull up the file, they can give you their expert advice. Yeah. Um, and what are those sit. people? Are those people planners or what? what planners, ex- yeah. Planners, okay. Planners, yeah. yeah. And if you had anything that you wanted to know about um, drainage or things like that, would that still be that yep, planner person? Yeah, they can person? pull all that up. They can okay. see the overlays and, and see what's involved and right. what will be required moving forward. Okay. If you're looking to do a subdivision or um, anything like that. Yeah. yeah. So basically, the property files isn't going to show you that. They have all these other, yeah, about drainage yeah. and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Is that the same for the zoning? I mean, can people go on, they can go on themselves and look at yeah, zoning, you can can't go, they? you can go on the GIS viewer on, on the council website, which yeah. is really good. A lot of information about each specific property on there. So it's um, just it's just Auckland Council website, and then yeah, you G- go and GIS. GIS, yeah, yeah, that's a good it's, thing to look at too. It's pretty, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Pretty um, comprehensive. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah, that's really good. Has all the zoning and all that stuff on there so you can look into stuff further. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, I wrote down the word flashings here because that was something that um, I know some properties were lacking, mm-hmm. and some older properties. So what can you tell us about the older properties flashing-wise? I mean, so what I have you come across? Yeah, so I think we're, what you're referring to are the leaky homes. 
Not so no? much. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not sure, but w- uh, just that I've seen some houses and, and some of the problems that have come up, they've talked about flashings over the windows or the doors and things, but they haven't actually been that plaster construction. They've just okay. been normal board and batten or whatever. Okay. Um, have you come across any of those? I haven't come across a lot of the traditional okay. styles, but definitely with um, the plaster homes. Probably of the same area you're talking about the timber homes. Yeah, they didn't. They went through a bit of a phase where they didn't use flashings. So right. They okay. got a little bit too tricky for themselves. Right. And yeah, they were using a lot of for, instead of cap flashings atop, um, above parapets, they were just using uh, silicon. Um, oh, same right. above windows, they weren't sealing those off properly and using proper mechanical flashings. So, as we so call. what about in the 1960s, 70s? Did they they sort of had? I mean, what's the difference? Did they have? Um, what do you call so them? So they had biggest effects. That's then. what I was they thinking. They had a traditional sort of um, hip roof. That's what I they thought. Had, you know, six or nine hundred wide effects. Yeah. And generally, the first board above the window, between the window and the feet, came down over the window. Yeah, that's what so I was thinking. So any water that came did go in there came down over top of the yeah. window. And then they changed it, and and that's where the problem sort of started. So, yeah. 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 Okay. They got onto these new sort of. What sort of era do you reckon that was? Just if people were looking at any properties, what's? Oh, I think early nineties. Okay. Yeah. So the nineties seems to be the 90s, prob- yeah. problematic area Even in New Zealand. Even some through to the er- very early two thousands. Yeah. There was some of the same sort of stuff going on. Now I know that it's a whole um, topic in itself, the leaky home thing. But um, I was actually away fr- uh, from New Zealand during all this building of all these leaky homes and I came back and I was actually really shocked to see that you know this whole thing had gone on for so long yeah. and there's thousands of homes that were built I mean just briefly what mm. sort of is the story with that you know what what is the problem usually with these homes a lot of it's like we just discussed the flashings a lot of most obviously most of them are plaster systems and the, so the plaster systems themselves uh, relied on paint to keep the water out so if there was any any sort of movement there was a slight crack water could get in through the crack um, so they were really sort of flawed systems from the start in my opinion and what about the actual materials as far as the um and i'm lost for the word now just the wood you know the normal wood the four by two or whatever yeah yeah they went through a stage where they didn't use treated untreated timber, untreated okay, timber as well yeah. and that coincided with the the cladding problems as well and um, some of them had internal gutters yep. and then what about the um actual spacing or something what do you call that the um sort of internal gutters, and then you've got the... Oh, some of them had... Uh, God, I've completely... <laughs> <laughs> completely, I'll have to cut this bit out. Um, the yeah, the cavity, uh, cavity. Oh, yeah, so there was obviously before the time of the cavity, I think the cavity was sort of brought around by all the problems that we started having. And you're right, a lot of them had parapet walls with internal gutters in behind them. Um, yeah, no flashings on top of the parapets. Yeah, minimal waterproofing. So as soon as it leaked, it sort of went down inside the wall. People didn't know for a long time because of the untreated timber as well. Oh, shocking. It's yeah. hard to believe that that ever happened. Yeah, it's not that long ago. No, no, it's not that long ago. Yeah. So really, I mean, when did that sort of happen? I mean, I thought it was sort of from about, correct me if I'm wrong, 89 to what? Early 2000. Early 2000, yeah. yeah. Do you think yeah. it started as early as 89 or was it? Um, I think there was probably some around there. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I'm just... Bulk of it's the 90s for sure. Yeah, though. I was just saying, it's quite amazing too, isn't it? Because the Building Act actually changed in 91. Um, yeah. So that's just really mind-blowing. That It is. Yeah. How do yeah. you reckon that whole thing sort of came to be? I think a lot of suppliers came up with these new systems. Right. That were relatively untested. Yes. And a lot of them failed um, mm. with the, the plaster systems cracking and, and water going mm. in. Gosh. So it was just, I think we went into a different type of architecture where everyone sort of tried to modernise away from the eaved roofs, which were, you know, and still are the, yeah. best, the best way to keep your house watertight. Yeah, that's good to know. People went for these parapets and internal gutters and 
was yeah. a, I think something it was a shift. new, like you said. Yeah, it yeah. was a shift in architecture. Yes, and that it all came about at once, and it was fairly untested. Gosh, because some of them are quite significant homes, aren't they? I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, um, in their time, and the, a lot of them you see in these suburbs around that time that have beautiful views and all the rest of it, and yet, yeah. So, and I think they, you know, by the time we they people figured out they were failing, there was already there was so many built. Mm. Um, you know, it was a massive problem. That yeah, we have now. it's a real shame for some people because they've been through so much stress on yeah. it. So basically, what what's a positive note we can say about um, remedial on that? Uh, what what sort of advice? Um, could you like, have? unfortunately, all plaster homes get tarred with the same brush. Yes, but some of them are actually really well built. Mm. We've we've t- we've taken on leaky homes before or tarred with that brush, and they've had you know minimal like two or three percent frame replacement, and the rest has all been fine. Oh, that's fantastic, and that's a really good point to yeah, say so to people out there. Not all of them are. Are the same. They're, they're funny how they present. The mm. ones that present really wet inside are generally the ones that are, are not too bad framing yeah, wise, really? and the ones that present um, okay are, are terrible. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, yeah. why would the ones that present well on the outside not be sure, like that? Sure. Really? It's that's, a mystery. Eh? Oh, it's a mystery. That's really good to know, actually. Yeah. So you can never assume anything, as I said nah, before. No, you can't. See, Assumption. because you just don't know. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because you'd go into one like that and you'd think it, it would be okay. Yep. And then you go into the other one and you'd think, oh no, this is terrible. And it's actually the yep. other way around. Wow, yep. that's amazing. And we, we just done, we'd have just done two recently and okay. they, were both, they were both that way, one each way. Wow, yeah. gosh, that's incredible. Mm. So basically, if people are looking at that, they really, really need to do their due diligence and get a specialist building. Get a building surveyor yeah. in and they do infrared. Yes. Uh, testing and all the walls. Yeah, so you really need do, to get do, a, do. yeah, really qualified. What is the process of getting a renovation or a build done from deciding you want to do it to, to the end um, process? Yep, so if, if you decided to work with us, like we try and get involved as early as we can to guide you through the process. Um, I like to come out to site and see, have a look at what you're hoping to achieve and what you're looking to do. We have um, five or six different architects we work with, so they all do slightly different work and slightly different stuff. So we recommend the one that we think is best suited to your project. Um, we get them involved. They would um, do up a set of concept drawings. Uh, from that, we could provide an indication of cost, which would give you a ballpark range. Oh, and that's then good. You, then you can really sort of look at it and go, well, am I actually getting the rewards? What am I, am, I, am I getting what I'm looking for for the cost? Yes. And you can make some decisions from that. And if you decide to proceed, we the architect would carry on with working drawings or construction drawings for council. Um, once they are ready to go, we can then put a fixed price to it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So you actually do give a fixed price, which is yep. really good to know because, um, you know, some places, not naming Waiheke is one of them, yeah. um, <laughs> quite often, you know, I hear that yeah. people aren't given a fixed price mm. and um, a friend of mine actually got a builder from town to come over and do her house because, you know, he was giving a fixed price and yep. had a good reputation and all the rest of it. So obviously people can choose their own architects, but um, Brendan yeah. has got at his fingertips people that he works with as well. So that's really good to know. So what about the actual consent issue, you know, like the consent process rather? Yeah, so the, the architect would sort of takes control of all of that. Right. Like they, they, they get the construction drawings ready. Um, once we've done, put a fixed price to it and you're all happy, you can submit those plans to council. Um, the architect follow that process right through council till you get your building consent out the other side. And that's where we take over. We, we take the plans from there, organise all council and consultant inspections all the way through the build, and then um, we'll apply for code of compliance on our client's behalf. Okay. Yeah. So so just also, there are two types of consents. One is the resource consent mm. and one is the building consent. Can mm. you just tell people out there what the difference is between the two, please? Yep. So the resource consent, if you're going outside of the restrictions for the site, you might be slightly over your height to boundary or slightly over your, over your coverage 
or if you're in a heritage zone, you'll need to apply for a resource consent. Uh, so that's the first consent. Once that's issued, then you can then apply for a building consent, which they can run in line with each other, but generally you'd wait for your resource consent to pop out so you, you're sure that the council are happy with you to carry Continue on Continue on with the actual yeah. build, yeah. yeah. So what roughly uh, costs are involved in these consents these days? Um, obviously, depending on the project, I mean, the, the council costs for a resource consent of you know between five to ten. That's just the council side, and same for a building consent. Mm. And depending on the scope, the architect can be, you know, a lot of them work on a fixed price. Some of them work on a percentage of build. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, is that how some of them work yeah, on a percentage of build? Yeah, yeah, yeah. percentage so, of build cost. Yeah. but uh, a lot of them will do fixed price as well. Yes, yeah, which is a good place to know. Okay, so know um, is that five to ten thousand for a resource consent, and then another five to ten thousand for a building, building consent? consent yeah. Jeez, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and time and the time that's involved. Yeah, right. But those resource consents, if they're a tricky one, are taking you know six to twelve months. Yeah, to and are the they six yeah. to twelve months at the moment? Yeah, the, trick, the tricky ones. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. This is with the council. Yeah. Okay. And building consents, sort of eight to twelve weeks. Right. So it's a long-term process. So something's not going to get happen overnight. But it is just that's just the way it is in Auckland at the moment. So what does a builder organise? I mean, as far as other tradespeople go. So we, we organise everything. We have all of our own tradies that we use um, on a constant basis because they know what we expect from them. And um, we organise everything from carpets to curtains, kitchens, appliances, tiles. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's a turnkey package if you want us to. That's how we prefer to work. So when you move back in, um, everything's mm, well, lovely. 100% that's, that's that, that for some people that would be um, a real yeah. benefit actually because you just like you said you go and move out and then you come back and everything's done. Yeah. So. Yeah, so you're obviously working with designers as well. Yeah, we've got designers that we work with on a project-by-project project basis just to make sure it all sort of comes together. Yeah. So what sort of cost today to build scratch? What uh, per square metre, what are we sort of looking at? So for the stuff we do, like we're a more bespoke company. We don't do – we're not competing with the homes company. Everything's sort of one-off design. So the stuff we do is around four to up to six or 7,000 a square metre. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. a standard rate these days, isn't it? Mm. How do you? How does somebody choose whether to knock down or build? Um, well, I, I think it's important get get your builder and your architect involved early, and when you go through that concept stage, get an option drawn up for a new build and a and a renovation extension. And you know the builder can put pricing to both. You can look at the benefits, you know, for, to each one and make a decision from there. That's and I idea. think you could get different builders in, and they'd probably all want to say knock it down and someone else would say renovate yes i think it's better to get both options on the table when there's not a clear a clear winner and yeah. then you know get some pricing together and make some choices from there and do you when you go somewhere and you've got somebody saying they want this this and this mm -hmm. um and you're thinking oh actually that would work much better because mm -hmm. you've seen it you've been yeah. there seen it and you know you might be taking in account the sun and all the rest of it mm -hmm. Do you say to people, oh, actually, you know, do you I, sort of... I do. Yeah, like good, to, good. I yeah. think it's important just to be honest from the start, yeah. especially around cost. Yeah. There's no point in sugarcoating what it's going to cost at the But also, end. I find that builders, because they are doing this stuff all the time, there'll mm. be things that, you know, they've seen and they've done and, and it just sometimes it like makes better. sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I know my builders sometimes have suggested something to me and I've gone, God, of course. What was yeah, I thinking? Yeah. You know, so yeah. I think people actually appreciate it. And, yeah. of course, they don't have to take your advice. But exactly. And a lot of the time they don't. Yeah. Should do that. So, <laughs> so what should you consider when buying a property as far as from a, a builder's um, point of view? Things to check out. I think it's, you know, the same as we discussed earlier. Just do your due diligence. Um, make sure you've been to the council. Talk to a few people. 
to the agents to renovate. You want to talk to the agents about, you know, what you can do in the area, what it would potentially be worth after you did it. Just take your time and do your DD. Yes, is, is the main thing I yeah, think across I any, any of this stuff. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, know what you're getting into. Yeah. Um, what trends have you seen that are sort of happening at the moment that you've noticed? Definitely a shift to more sort of what we call them eco homes, or you know, natu- lot of lot more natural materials. Um, yes. People are trying to use sustainable um, products. Um, people are obviously integrating smartphones and you know oh, okay. smart houses and all that sort of stuff. So. Definitely a bit of a shift. A um, lot, lot more timber construction going on, like timber claddings. Everyone's into the sustain, sustainable products. Yeah, it's interesting, actually, because yeah. I was just speaking to um, Shelley um, Brockless, a designer, the other day, and she was saying that, you know, the timber thing is very strong now. I think yeah. New Zealand has, you know, that is part of our identity. Yeah, And, it, and it it's is. lovely to see that sort of natural, and there's so many beautiful products out there now. Aren't there? Oh, there's a lot. There's new products coming on mm. the market all the time, which yeah. is good. Yeah, A lot of people are doing solar now. We're yes, starting to put okay. in, you know, electric vehicle chargers. Oh, right. Yeah, batteries. Oh, so they mm. can, um, Tesla batteries, so they can store the power. Mm. Yeah, most of it's different different uh, weatherboard profiles. Right. So people are using um, a lot of cedar. Okay. Canadian cedar or Siberian larch is, is um, pretty prominent at the oh, moment. Okay. And uh, there's um, a new product called a bodo, which is New Zealand pine that's thermally modified, oh, right. just so it doesn't move or, or change it changes its structure when they modify it and it um, stays dead straight and, and is treated. Okay. Yeah, chemical free. So people are. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because people are really um, conscious of all this these days, aren't yeah. they? You know? Now, obviously, every new home now um, has to have double glazing, mm-hmm. but obviously, there's a lot of houses out there that are the old type. And what do you think about this retrofit double glazing compared to normal? Double glazing, have you come across that? Yeah, the retro stuff's definitely a really good product. Uh, I think it's important to note when you do your retro double glazing, you have to do seals as well. Right. Because most of your leakage is around around the windows. If you've got traditional double hungs, which a lot of the people that are um, doing retro double glazing, like they re- you redo the pulleys, you have to do the weights. Oh, okay. Because they're heavier And the units. villas and that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then redo all the seals. Right. And you'll get a far superior product. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's um, quite a f- number of companies there's out a, there. There's a heap of different there? companies doing okay. it now, yeah. Yeah, so yep. you just have to do your research. Yeah, so do your research. Is that yeah. No Cowboys a good place to do some research as well, if you would totally didn't know anybody? I think um, it's a great place to do Oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah, that's yeah. good. I thought it was quite a good website. So for people out there, there is a website called No Cowboys. Is that particularly for tradespeople? Yeah, yeah. And it is a really good website. I've looked at it before, actually. And yeah, that there's just a lot of, lot of reviews and stuff on yeah. this. So you can see yeah. feedback on people's work. So, when choosing a builder, um, what should you find out about them? Obviously, again, do your DD, do your background. Um, and look, look at No Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, look at No Cowboys, yeah. You know, you want to go and see some of their work, talk to some of their um, old clients that yes. they've done work for. Um, we have video testimonials on our website. Oh, that's so you good. you can have a walk through people's homes and see what they have to say about us. But yeah, it's just taking the time to do the research. Yeah, you, know, you can never do too it's much. It's so research. important. Yeah. it's so important to get yeah. the right people. Talk to other other people about the process, and mm. you know, making sure you understand it. I think I think that's like anything. It's um, you know, all these different professionals are not equal. I yeah. mean, some people promise you the world and, and deliver Tasmania. It's just really important to yeah. get the right people for the job. I think it's important to yeah, get the right builder for what you're looking for. Yes. Like I said, we do a full package, but, but that may not be what you're looking for. Yeah. So there'd be a different builder out there for you if you wanted to 
to do your own kitchens and bathrooms and stuff yourself. Yes. So you know. No, that's do true. Your so you can you can use a builder for you know the majority of it, and then you might get if you wanted to, you could get someone else if you had someone else in mind for the kitchen or the bathroom if you wanted to yeah, do it that way. Yeah, you could get your own suppliers and, and yeah. you know take take control of that part of it yourself if you wanted to. Yeah. And the last question I've got on here. <laughs> Which I just laugh about because in the old days you used to see these dogs on site in building sites. I mean, sometimes it was ridiculous. I mean, look, are you still taking these damn dogs on site? Don't get me wrong, I love dogs. <laughs> He's not answering that one. <laughs> no, we, we, we don't allow dogs on our sites. So we think they're a bit of a health and safety risk. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, health and safety these days. And a lot of the dogs get scared with the loud noises and, you know, yeah. ramsack guns and stuff going yeah. off now. But there are still a number of residential sites where you'll see... Uh, yeah, see the odd dog. See the yeah, odd no, dog. I just had to put that in. I don't as a think bit they're of, roaming the sites like they used I, to I be. Just, I just had to put that in as a bit of a laugh because yeah. we, we had somebody taking a tree down the other day and this, I looked out my window and there was this huge damn dog. God, I just felt... And I, like I said, I love dogs, but I just got such a shock when I looked at it. I thought, where the hell did that thing come from? And then I realised it was it was with the guy. And and one last thing, just talking about um, health and safety. Um, what have, what changes have you seen? And uh, you know, since I mean, safety is such an important thing. And mm. I must honestly say that um, it's quite disappointing that New Zealand is so mm. is so um, backwards in health and safety, yep. and there's still so many workplace accidents ha- happening. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you seen? The changes are people doing changes in the building industry? Oh, I think definitely the awareness is a lot greater. We've made a lot of changes ourselves over the last um, three or four years. That's great. Um, we have daily pre-starts where we talk about hazards. We have weekly toolbox meetings, sign-in, sign-out policy. Um, so we're definitely um, getting better and better all the time, which I think a lot of people are. Yes. Kiwis are a little bit slow on uptake, I think, on the safety, and that's why we have. Yeah, it's so the, important, the isn't it? That we have, but yeah. I think as a whole, the industry is getting a lot better. Oh, that's good. Probably that's not good. as quick as, as as some people would like, but generally, people are trying a lot harder and and putting a lot more um, process in place to. To stop the incident. Yeah, no, that's great. Mm. Um, now, so thank you so much. So that is Brendan Salby, and have I said that right, Brendan? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got a really strange name. So I'm actually going to say it's S O W E R B Y. That's how you spell Brendan's name with an O, and he is from Next Level Construct. I'm sure lots and lots of people out there, Brendan, have really appreciated um, getting your knowledge because there's so many things that you know are very common questions that we went over today that just cleared up quite a quite a few of them. So thanks very much. No problem at all. I've enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Property Chit Chat. Subscribe to hear all our episodes. If you want further information, visit goodtonic.co.nz and hit the Property Chit Chat tab. Till next time, over and out.